you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Four verses, verses one through four. Numbers chapter one, verses one through four. It's about 5,000 degrees up on this platform right now. Jesus. Numbers chapter one. And verse number one, and the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of the congregation on the first day of the second month in the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt. Everybody know when that was, right? You got that? It was the first day of the week in the second month of the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt. You know what that date is, right? All right. Say and take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names, every male by their poles. From 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel. In other words, he's like, all right, we're going to take A through L over here. We're going to take M through Z over here. We're going to divide them all up according to their numbers and the names, and we're going to get them all separated. Every male from 20 years old and older that are able to go forth to war in Israel. And thou and Aaron shall number them by their army. So then you're going to go through. you got number one, you got number two, you got number three, you got number four. You're one, you're two, you're three, you're four. All right, you got that? You understand? So they got them all figured out how they're going to go and how they're going to be divided. And with you there shall be a man of every tribe. So it's got to be that all the tribes of Israel all had to be represented in every group and every army because every tribe had a certain thing that they were responsible for. Some were responsible for music. Some were responsible for the work of the tabernacles. Everybody had their... Somebody's got to be responsible for everything. I'd be good as long as the cook showed up. Everyone head of the house of his father. So I'm going to try to bring something out of this tonight. It's not as much about the text as what it is. I feel that the Lord has spoken to me out of this text. I started last night, last week on Sunday night talking to you a little bit about spiritual warfare. And I told you I'm going to be talking about this for a little while. And just because I don't have a better title to bring, we're just going to call this Spiritual Warfare Continued or Part 2 or whatever you want. We're just going to kind of pick up where we left off and try to continue to speak to you a little bit tonight on spiritual warfare. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. 
Thank you for your worship tonight, and I don't want it to end because I'm going to speak to you. I want to talk to you a little while, and we're going to pick this atmosphere of worship and praise right back up, and we're going to close out with mighty things happening tonight. Amen. Our text here is the first recorded army draft, if you please. They were commanded that everybody had to sign up for the draft. They all had to get a number, and they all had to get their specific location, and God told Moses exactly how he wanted it to done and by the end of the draft by the end of everybody being chosen where they were going to serve and what group they were going to be in and and all these groups were all put together according to what God had ordained them to do there was 603,500 men uh, and they were an unstoppable army they were an unstoppable army. Now, I feel so moved in my spirit tonight to call CLC. Some of you have been in the battle. Some of you, I don't even have to try tonight. With Some of you, it's obvious by the atmosphere that some of you are so engaged in what God is doing. And I'm thankful for you, and I don't want to leave you out tonight. But really, I want to talk to the ones tonight for a little bit that may not be completely engaged in what God is doing. And, and I know we all have our, our excuses, and there's some that may have reasons that, that you know, the Lord told, told Moses, he said, first off, we're going to put an age restriction, in which I'm thankful that in the New Testament there's no age restriction. God said so there's, some, there's some that may not be physically able and uh, so and I, I'm thankful that in the New Testament that physical impairment does not prevent us from being able to, to do what God has called us to do. Let the weak say, I am, yeah, I'm strong. And so uh, this, this unstoppable, this unstoppable army that God had put together was able to go out and do great exploits. And we talked a little bit about that last Sunday night at close there. As a matter of fact, that God really was calling this church to do great, great exploits. And so I want to link up with where we were, and I want to link into the revival atmosphere that we just came through and came out of. Uh, we're not out of it. We've just kind of extended it. And so... Um, But I have to tell you that if you were here on the Wednesday night following what was supposedly the end of the awakening and it got extended into Wednesday night, if you're here on that Wednesday night, there was uh, some things that happened, maybe even some things that some thought was strange. And I know it raised a lot of questions, and some of you have asked me about it and asked others about it, and we haven't talked about it too much. Um, But there was some pretty amazing things that happened and some powerful words of prophecy that came forth over this congregation and some words of direction in part. And... um, and there, there's an understanding, of course, uh, as the word of prophecy was coming forth, uh, even in the word of prophecy, Brother Nichols made a statement. He said, this is nothing that you don't already know because God's already spoken this to you. And, and of course, I haven't shared that with anybody, not even my wife, that God had already spoken all the things that he had spoken to me. God had already put into my spirit, and, and I had been praying over them, but it was things that I would never dare to speak because people would look at me weird and strange and think I was on an ego trip and... They would have a lot of other things to say, but I knew I was just confirming what God had already spoken. And um, and so, of course, when 
those of you that really understand spiritual warfare understand that when things are spoken into the atmosphere, you now have moved to a whole new area, a whole new region, a whole new, because you can feel something and think something, but the devil cannot know what you are thinking. But the moment that you verbalize it, the devil then knows how to take action. See, God knows the thought and intent of the heart. Satan, that's off limits with Satan. He cannot know the thoughts and intent of your heart, but however, he can hear what you are saying because when you speak it into the atmosphere, he is the prince and the power of the air. So therefore, he, once you have spoken it, that's why you can speak some things into existence. Some of you that's been praying for divine healing, be very, very careful to not take things on yourself that don't belong to you. Well, I had a chest pain this week, so I have heart problems. See what you just did? You just received something that God did not intend for you to have, but the enemy intends for you to have. So be careful, you know. I spoke a little bit about this last week, but my, my mom's side of the family, my mom died of cancer, her mom died of cancer, and my great-grandmother died of cancer, all died young. And so therefore, it'd be very easy for me to decide that because there are hereditary genes that have been passed down, that I automatically am going to have what I'm not going to have. Because, see, I'm not accepting it. Now, Pastor, what in the world are you going to do if that ever happens? We'll cross that bridge, but I have no intention of it happening. Because I'm not going to receive something that don't, doesn't belong to me. It happened to them, but it doesn't belong to me. Am I making any sense to you? And so therefore, I'm, I'm trying to bring some clarity to some of you of some things that was preached and taught and, and some of the things that you got that, that, that maybe even brought a, a bit of misunderstanding in some of your hearts and minds. But uh, I do want you to understand that when we speak certain things, and what happened here specifically on the Wednesday night of the extension of the awakening and the words of prophecy that was spoken and some things that was spoken in the atmosphere. And some of you were texting and calling and saying, Pastor, I'm, gonna, I'm claiming some things and I'm overcoming some things. And uh, now some of you are just like, man, I was here. It was like we just got through some long church services. So late we couldn't even get anything to eat. We had to like hit the drive through And... Um, and that's kind of what we got, you know, maybe some, that's all that you got out of it. But if you were really plugged in and engaged, then you, you really understood that there were some deep, significant spiritual things that was happening in the spirit realm. And so spiritual warfare was beginning to be declared. And, you know, I haven't called Brother Nichols. I haven't talked to him uh, I have had no conversation with him since that Wednesday night. I'm ready to call him. I may call him this week and ask him, man, what in the world did you do to me? Because this past week, I'm just going to speak for me and for a few of you that I talked to. But this week for me has been one for the record books. 
because the enemy has fought me in ways that I have never in my 50 years. Ways I have never been fought before. I told my wife, I don't know if it was yesterday or today because she was up most of the night. I was up most of the night. And this has kind of been the way it's been here. We have fought more junk. I'm not talking about people. I haven't had any fights with people. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But there has been some things that has been stirred up in the spiritual realm. Now some of you think that I just jumped off the deep end. Actually, I'm coming to try to bring some balance to those of you that think it's all off the deep end. But for some of you that try to throw a wet blanket on every fire that comes about, I'm going to try to bring some understanding to you that there is a real war that is going on in the atmosphere that is not of this flesh and not of this world, but it is of the real world of the Spirit. And this battle can only be fought in the spiritual realm, which means it is not a battle of flesh and blood that you fight with weapons of of carnal nature, of bombs and guns and all the above, but it is a warfare that must be fought in the spirit through prayer, through worship. So the spiritual realm has been stirred up. Since specific words have been spoken. And I'm going to tell you, for those of you that have been engaging in what God is doing, some of you, I know who you are, you're here because we've talked, all right? And this isn't the spirit of discernment. There's a great difference. Don't, don't come telling me you got the spirit of discernment when you read it on Facebook. Or somebody told you that somebody said and you claim it to be the spirit. And that's not the spirit of discernment. I'm not going to say God said if I heard it from somebody else. I'm going to tell you God said it when God impressed it upon me at a moment of prayer. But there are some things that have been stirred up in the atmosphere, in the spiritual world. And every time that we have spiritual breakthroughs in areas, get ready. Because there will always be a spiritual counterattack. Find it not strange, brethren, when you fall into all sorts of diverse (laughs) trials and problems. Hmm. The first Sunday, or the first Wednesday, after the supposed end of the awakening, the first Wednesday, not one, two, three, four, five, Seven families that could not be here on Wednesday night after we had focused on physical healing. Seven families, most of which had confirmed influenza. Mm. Just so happened. By the way, nothing just happens. 
hell hates when the church begins to be successful. That's why you've heard it preached before, and I'm trying to just help us comprehend that when we go into a season of prayer, the devil will unleash a counterattack. So some people's like, well, that's why I don't do that prayer thing. That's why your family's going to be lost. And that's why you're going to have a hard time on judgment day standing before God. I'm trying to get you saved through all of this. So that, that's not an excuse of, well, I'm not going to do it because the devil's going to fight. The issue is, is we've read the back of the book and know every time we win. But there's sometimes when you don't know what else to do, but you've got to just keep standing. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard or a banner. I don't want to get too preachy too quick here. But if you haven't heard the news, the Lafayette group has been having a breakthrough the last few weeks. Since they moved into their building in the last month, they had a breakthrough of baptizing their first one. The next week they baptized some more. Once they had their first one get the Holy Ghost, last week it broke through and they had more get the Holy Ghost. That's what happens when you break yokes. That's what happens in spiritual warfare. When one, all you got to do is just get the breakthrough, then it begins to happen. God's not done. This is the beginning. Hell hates it when the church has success. Spencer and the Lebanon team have been tearing down strongholds. In case you're not aware, but they've been having some prayer meetings that have been causing some turmoil in the atmosphere. Strongholds in a city that has had free reign for many years with no pushback. Everything was good with the enemy until a group of fired up apostolic young adults and young people went walking into the streets Begin to tell people there's another way. You don't have to get caught up in this drug environment. There's a way out for you. Hell didn't like it. When drug addicts start coming in getting baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We closed on the building, had church on Sunday. On Monday, me and Pastor Danny was in Lebanon. And the police car drove up, and I thought, great. We were too loud on the first Sunday. Or a parking problem. And Danny said, what in the world? I said, must be a parking problem. We were too loud. We're going to find out. But instead, the officer came. He said, man, I just wanted to come meet you guys. We're so fired up and excited about what's going on. We need you.
So we were, we were able to share with the chief of police what the mission of the church is about and why we're there. And he said, I'm going to tell you the answer to all the drug problems that, that is around here is what's going on inside this church right here. He said, I wanted to come meet you just to let you know that we're working together with you. We're not against you, we're for you. Boy, that makes you want to shout. And it makes the enemy angry. I feel the Holy Ghost so powerfully up here. Mm. And then comes the pushback. Today, in the state of Indiana, where God has given us spiritual authority, and dominion over the adversary today marked the beginning of legal alcohol sales on Sunday in the state of Indiana for the first time in history. This week in Lebanon, a well-known, well-liked city councilman committed suicide this week. This week in Lebanon, a high school student died in a senseless automobile accident. This week in Lebanon, a law enforcement officer was shot and killed while serving a warrant. All in one week, in one small town, in north central Indiana. It's time for the church to recognize something. That the only response that the devil cannot handle is the power of intercessory prayer. Somebody asked me, Brother Jordan, what would you make out of all the awakening? I'm going to tell you what I made out of it. God spoke to me through the whole thing. And the one thing that he spoke to me over and again is that the church has got to go to a deeper level of passionate intercessory prayer than we have ever been before. Because the only weapon that we have, you're doing good with worship. Most of you have got it. This atmosphere tonight is so charged. I could have gotten up here and just said step into the aisle tonight and wouldn't have preached. Because worship would have just taken this place over. And we haven't always been here. And we need to be here. That's right. We got to we got to take this greater. But the power of intercessory prayer. I want to impress it upon you so much tonight because our warfare 
is not done on social media. Or in small group conversations. But it's done on our face in intercessory prayer. Declaring that we have dominion over the prince and the power of the air. And that no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And the souls that are senselessly dying, we are going to command the enemy to back off and the church to step up. Because this revival that God is wanting to send to the church, the enemy is responding. But by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, I declare an apostolic revival to continue in Frankfurt and spread beyond Frankfurt and continue in Lafayette and spread beyond and continue in Lebanon and spread beyond and the churches that we have not yet started that God is going to begin to send people into the atmosphere to change the environment before we ever get there. This is war, and here's the thing. We've got to stop complaining. Can I just get real blunt with you? I'm tired. I'm just going to be me for a minute. I'm tired of hearing apostolic Holy Ghost filled folks complain and blame it all on government and politics. They're not the answer. Whether you like who's in office or don't like in office, doesn't really matter. Why don't you change What's happening through prayer? That's right. It's time to stop complaining on the sideline. I've never seen one parent sit on the sideline and win a ball game by complaining about the coach or the players. Because the only people that are going to win the ball game are the guys that are on the court. And we need warriors in the battlefield. Here in the next few weeks and months, we're going to be calling some strategic evangelistic efforts that is going to swarm this city. You know what God is intending for good? The devil will try to make something bad out of it every time. We've been working and laboring and building a building and sometimes it, it even becomes a little bit frustrating that we just can't seem to get there. And one of the reasons that it's frustrating is not that I'm frustrated at anybody or anything. And We, we, we know that we're, we're doing what we've got to do. We've got to have more parking spaces, more seats. We've got to have, we, we understand all of that. But the issue is, is that sometimes it's, it's real difficult for, for us to do the work of ministry of evangelism and reaching the lost when the people that would be the most active in the evangelism and leading such and doing the work of discipleship is out doing the physical labor of trying to build a building. And so the enemy tries to capitalize on that. 
I've been warned by many people, men of great stature, men, men from the organization, both in and out, have contacted me and called me throughout the process and, and talked to me about keeping my, my head on straight and staying level and doing the work of ministry in the middle of what we're doing and being careful to keep my family intact and keep my spiritual walk intact and keep the church intact. And I, that's why I came earlier tonight thanking those that are here that have been working because I'm going to tell you, I couldn't do this by myself. And the truth is, is the church couldn't do this without the hand of God. I thank God for a great church. But in the middle of everything that we're doing, sometimes it feels like we lose momentum because we can't be focused on the things that God has really called us to do. But we've got to recognize that the church is really not about the building. I thank God for the building. That's somebody said, well, I, I know that this is your I know that this is your legacy. I hope not. If that little gymnasium we're building over there, as nice as it's going to be and wonderful as it's going to be, if that's all I got to leave as a legacy. I, I, I'll just tell you now, I'll feel like a failure if all somebody's going to say is. Well, this is what Brother Jordan did in his ministry. I'm all right with it being part of what I do in ministry, but that's not really the work of ministry. The work of ministry is a number of souls that are going to say, if it hadn't been for CLC, if it hadn't been for a preacher in a pulpit, if it hadn't been for worshipers, if it hadn't been for prayer warriors, if it hadn't been for somebody that prayed for me, if it hadn't been for a prayer meeting, I would have lost my mind. If it hadn't been for a deliverance service, I would still be bound. That's what it's really all about. If you think the church is not important, Spencer shared this today in Lebanon. The mayor of Lebanon this week, because of all of the things that have happened in this small town, the mayor of Lebanon made a public appearance this week and he told the citizens of Lebanon that another program and more legislation is not going to turn the tide of the problems that are facing that city. This is what the mayor said. The only hope for our community and for the people that call this region home is that the citizens find a church and let God fight this battle. I haven't met the mayor yet, but I want to go shake his hand and tell him God is using you, sir, as a voice in these last days. Because the only hope for the drug addict is the church. And the only hope for the broken and the addicted is the church. If we could realize the importance of the church. And if you're not engaged in this battle, I'm preaching 
to you tonight because I want you to come out. I'm not angry at anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not upset at anybody. But I'm calling for everybody to come out and get involved in the war. It's time that we do more than show up. But that we get involved in the war. Brother Anthony Mangan, and because of the times, introduced a lady. He also introduced her again when he made an appearance on TBN a couple of weeks ago. With Jensen Franklin. How many of you saw that? We were in service that night. If you haven't, you need to get online and, and, and check that out. Brother Alfonso Suarez's nephew uh, was the host. Tony Suarez was the host. And he had Jensen Franklin and Anthony Mangan there. Jensen Franklin has connections with the apostolic movement. And is a popular television evangelist. Brother Anthony Mangan and his mother, Sister Vestalane Mangan, were there. Jensen Franklin talked about fasting. And he had the first 30 minutes of talking about fasting. Brother Anthony Mangan took 30 minutes to talk about prayer. And I know I heard different opinions of all of it. Don't really care what everybody else has to say. But I am going to tell you that when Brother Mangan began to talk about the power of prayer, unapologetically talked about the name of Jesus... You remember Brother Herring a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, whenever it was, he preached one night about praying through the tabernacle and we did it here as part of the process. Brother Anthony Mangan shared that with I don't know how many million viewers on national television and he shared the whole, the, the, he shared the process of praying through the tabernacle and when he got to the laver of water and began to talk about this is where we get Jesus named baptism unapologetically on national television. Began to talk about it. And the power of God at the conclusion, they said, We want you to close in prayer. And Brother Jensen Franklin, if I may call him that, without getting shot, he said, Now, Father, we thank you. And we just ask you, Lord, that you just speak to the people. And it ended. And he said, Brother Mangan, you've he said, by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, I release apostolic revival. He began to pray in the name of Jesus. And I want you to know the power of God swept in the place. He prayed for a few minutes and the camera panned and they turned it on 91, 92 year old. Grandmama Vestalane Mangan and she began to pray by the authority of the word of God began to release an apostolic anointing I'm going to tell you in these last days it is going to come to pass that the revelation of Jesus name is going to fall all around the world in the last days saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh I didn't mean to get you all amped up here. 
is in the middle of this. This is where we are. There's churches all around the world, even apostolic churches. They don't, they don't have this. Some think we're way out there. They don't even understand that we're right smack in the middle of an absolute apostolic downpour. The last words that our late bishop said to me in a weakened voice you're building too small. Last thing he said to me, you're building too small. I made excuses, money, we can't. I'm just going to tell you, we're building too small. Because the revival that God is wanting to send is greater than a building. So what does all this mean for this church? What does this mean for you? What does all these prophecies and what does all this spiritual authority and dominion regional influence. What, what does all this mean? Nobody said this to me. Nobody called me and told me this is what it means. This is just what I feel in the Holy Ghost that this means. I, I know there was a little confusion. I had people come and say, oh, does this mean you're not going to be our pastor much longer? No, it doesn't mean I'm not going to be your pastor. Does this mean you're leaving? That's right, Brother Duggar. I have no intention. You can try to vote me out if you want to. I've been reminded by too many there's more for me than it is against me, and I try to get it through my skull once in a while. So I'm not, I, no, don't, don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be divisive. I, I'm not trying to be divisive. I thank God for a good church. So, so what does all this mean? What does all this mean? And, and what, what are we supposed to do with these prophecies? Because through the middle of all this, God revealed to us that, that a prophecy is God's intention. That God can say, I'm going to give you a revival of 25 souls next week. And we can decide, Brother Duggar, we're just going to go fishing. And we're probably not going to see that prophecy fulfilled. We can blame the prophet. But if we step out, in other words, the will of God is I want to send you a revival. So you've got to work toward this revival. God, God's saying, I'm setting before you an open door. It came as a word of prophecy. And so I've opened a door that nobody's going to shut, but don't go, you know. I, I put it this way last week. God wants to heal you of diabetes, but don't eat a cake every day. Right? I, I'm, and so what is all this regional authority? What, what does all this mean? What is the regional? What, is, what does this mean for us? And what is this saying? This, first of all, let me be very clear. We're not better than anybody. We're not better than anybody. 
The second thing, we're not over anybody. Okay, I'm not over anybody. Unless they feel that they want to be submitted. As a matter of fact, I'm not even your pastor unless you anoint me your pastor. You can come to church here without me being your pastor. But I'm only your pastor if you're submitted to me as your pastor. And so if you're not submitted to me as your pastor, I usually just pass and repass. And people are like, well, I don't know why pastor's passing and repassing. Because maybe I don't feel like you're submitted. But I'll be your pastor if I sense and feel that you're submitted to the apostolic anointing of a pastor that God has placed upon my life. So I want to be very clear about this. So we're not, we're not better than anybody. We're not over anybody that does not want to be under the, the spiritual covering and umbrella of this church. However, there are some churches, it's already happened with some, there are some ministries that have contacted me before, and I've never been bold enough to make statements regarding it because it's a humbling it's a humbling place to be where people, I, we're struggling. You got, it's so much is going on in your church and you guys have some. Could I just kind of like somehow want to just be connected to your church? And so uh, we don't get up every service and tell you, but often uh, we've, got, we've got ministries, we've got churches that I have opened the door to them because they have come in that spirit. And they're like, we, we need what you have, and we want what you have. We want this environment, and and so I don't know. I don't know what that means. And I said, well, here's what I, here's what we can do. We want to help you any way we can. And we have I don't know eleven or twelve licensed ministers in our church, mightily anointed of God. Most of them have schedules open and available, and. Most of them have been with us through the process that has gotten us to where we are. And so while I understand there's not one book you read going to just revolutionize your church and turn it around and not one sermon preached is going to absolutely, it, it is a process. And so what I would recommend is that you begin to utilize some of these young men. We will send you music if you need music. We will send you talent. We will send you teachers. We will send you helpers. We'll send you workers. We'll, we'll invest in you. We'll support you. We'll come try to help you when you're having revival. We will we'll do anything we can. We'll send evangelistic teams to where you are. We'll try to help you. And so that's what I mean by, by ministers coming saying we, we want to learn. We have people that are coming in. I, I'm, I'm, I field calls now where a lot of uh, where, where some, some men that may be struggling somewhere calling. So this is what this really means, all right? This means that we're just going to do more work. This, this doesn't make us superior to anybody. This just means that God is chosen. Because somebody said, well, what, why do we have to, you know, what, why, why is it here? What, what's, because there is such an unbelievable atmosphere of expectancy. When this group of a couple hundred people come together, I... I'll tell you what I believe right now. Anybody in this room that is sick tonight, you can be healed before you leave tonight. There's so much faith in this house. I have no question you can be healed. And if there's anybody here tonight that has never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you, if you want it, 
you will receive it tonight. No questions. It's not because of me and because I'm here. It's because there is such an atmosphere of expectancy. And so when people throw around, the, oh, you know, well, you know why, why didn't it happen over here and over here and over here? It's because there is something about unity of faith. And not every church has that. And some churches don't want that because they're afraid of it. They don't know what to do with it. And they're, they're afraid of wildfire, or they're afraid of emotionalism, or they're afraid that sophisticated people won't want it. I thank God for highly educated people that still believe in the apostolic move of the Spirit. And no matter how high a level of authority you may be in, you are subject to apostolic authority. And you have no issue with that. And I thank God for that. And so when people want to say, what is it that sets this church apart? Those are some of the things that sets this church apart. Because I have, we have so many people here that are gifted and talented in so many different ways, yet you walk in such a spirit of humility that nobody would even know things about you if we didn't tell them things about you. And there's, there's things going on. And, and so what this really means for the church is that God has given us regional influence, and now he's given us regional dominion and authority over powers and principalities. That means that while we used to just pray for the city of Frankfurt, now we're praying a prayer covering over an entire region. So that means like people that never... You know, we intentionally, you're not going to find the Wednesday night service. Don't worry. You're not going to get online and find it online because we, we took it off. We didn't want anybody to, I don't want, you don't understand. You, we just decided we're not putting that on. I don't, I don't want that broadcast. I'm just, we know what, this was for the church. And so we, we get it. We know, just try to cut down some of the criticism that, that could come. And so we decided we're not going to advertise all that and make all that People make up all kind of stories from it. But we understand that we have an obligation. So people that didn't even know, that happened Wednesday, Thursday morning, I had an evangelist call me from California. And he said, my wife is in Indiana and she is desperately ill. And I know that your church, I haven't talked to this man in years, he said, I know that your church knows how to pray, and I know that you and your wife and your family know how to pray. And he said, I'm in California, she's in Indiana, but she desperately needs a touch from the Lord. And the Lord just moved on me boldly and said, go to where she is, because I have given you authority. Over. I didn't call him and announce to him, brother, if you haven't, you need to call me. He called me and just said, I, I just felt led to call you and ask for I said, all right, here's what's going to happen. That isn't, this isn't just for pastor and family. There is a responsibility on this congregation to understand that now our reach is bigger than the city or the county. But it's regional. And, and let me go further and tell you that we're not in competition with another apostolic Jesus-named church. 
We're not against them. Some may be against us. We're not against them. We're for them and we'll help them. As a matter of fact, some who think I'm against them, I've gone to them and let them know. I'm not against you. I'm for you. I want to help you. And I mean that. And I would be available to them. At the moment's notice, I will be available to them. That's what it really means. Because here's the thing. The greatest in the kingdom of God has to be servant. So what this really means for the church is that we just move to a higher level of service. Which means... If a church an hour away, Brother Brent Smith calls and says, Brother Jordan, we're trying to do a project and we can't quite get it done because I don't have enough people and enough. All right, Brother Smith, when's that going to be? Because we're going to put a network of people together that's ready to come. We're going to go to your city and we're going to we're going to help you. Not so we can boast and beat our chest about look what we did because this is what God has given us. This is what we're supposed to go do with it. And so when one of our neighboring pastors is discouraged or going through a hardship or a struggle, we we send somebody in when they feel that we can help them. We send one of our ministers in, one of our evangelists in, one of our preachers, one of our pastors, pastoral staff, whomever it is, we send somebody in to help them. Now in the process, we don't just send them. What does this mean for me? Does it sound like that? It seems like this is more about the ministry and those that want to go do all this work that is out there. What it means for the church is that our level of intercessory prayer has got to be greater because now we're not just fighting against the powers and principalities of the city of Frankfurt or Clinton County. It was prophesied that now our prayers has got to reach from Indianapolis to Chicago. That's the only way I know. There's other churches. Let them pray. Let them do whatever. But for us, we were given a task. We were, it was prophesied over us that God has chosen. And so the best way I can explain it to you is that now we have an obligation to go to a higher level of intercessory prayer. That means we're going to have more prayer meetings. That means we're going to fast more and pray more. And that our level, our level of, of consecration and dedication has got to go to a higher level because we now have a higher responsibility. And higher levels mean bigger devils. I wish I knew where I was in this message. But the danger in all of this is for those who God has brought and connected into this apostolic environment that want to be lethargic and cold and say, let everybody else go do it. i got to be careful because i got to live up to everything I feel God impressed me with. But since I'm off my notes, I'm going to go ahead and say it. There's going to be a day that Christian Life Church is going to build a church in another country. We're going to build it. Pay for it. Because we are not locally minded. We are global. Because the kingdom of God is not in Frankfurt. It's not about CLC. 
It is a world mission of reaching the world. That was a plan. That wasn't in my notes. That was the unction of the Holy Ghost. You can take it however you want. Maybe it's a word of prophecy. Maybe it's a word of faith. I don't know what it is, but I know this much. What God is doing here, He has only scratched the surface because we are just getting started. But when one puts a thousand to flight and two ten thousand, there is no telling. When people of like precious faith, such as gathered in this room, begins to put our energy and efforts and finances... I'm going to go ahead and say what the Lord just, what the Lord impressed me with a little bit earlier, and it is this. Maybe there's a couple of folks here that would like to support a couple other young people to send on these mission trips that are going that can't go because of finances. If God speaks that to your heart, you can let me know. I'll let you know who they are and what you can do, but God's going to bless you. Here's where we are. Can I preach just a little bit longer? So, so the children of Israel were on the plains of Moab. And the Israelites had been wandering in the wilderness for about 40 years. For 40 years, things seemed to, to be going pretty good. They had shoes that had never worn out. They had fresh manna every morning. There was water flowing from a rock. They didn't have to work for it. They just went out and gathered it and picked it up. Life was so good that they could easily forget that they were in the wilderness. And so what God is trying to say to the church, am I okay? What God is trying to say to the church is if we're not careful, we'll get so fired up about what God does at CLC on Sunday and Wednesday. That if we don't become mission-minded and looking into this region, because there's some churches in this region between Indianapolis and Chicago that are struggling. And what God is saying is that we need to come alongside them. And we need to help them and support them and lift them up. Not everybody's going to subscribe to what I'm preaching tonight, but some of you are going to get this. We could easily become so enamored with what God is doing here that we forget that this world's not our home. And having good church here on Sunday and Wednesday is not really what this is all about. There are people dying lost, addicted. They're coming in and out of our doors with addictions, with family problems. They come in with their suit on on Sunday, but they fight like the devil on Monday. I spoke to a young lady today and asked her, how are you doing? And she looked at me and just went. I said, I'm praying for you, sis. How are you doing? And she broke and began to weep. You see, while we have everything going good, we can forget that we're in the wilderness. That the mission field is not Sunday night. We come here to get marching orders for what God is wanting to do Monday through Saturday. 
And then we've got to take what God is doing here and go to the highways and the byways. In other words, go to the cornfields and the region around us and say, hey, let me bring you to an environment on Sunday. Feel the anointing of God so powerful in the house. So Israel conquers Jericho with the shout. And the atmosphere of praise and worship and shout is wonderful. It's good. But in order to conquer Canaan, they had to fight. For a few people, it is a fight to worship. But for most all of us, the greatest fight is to pray because prayer goes against our nature. Prayer goes against the flesh. And so we have to go to a new level of prayer that we have never been before. And while we have become accustomed to led prayer where we come in and talk half the time and pray in short increments, this has got to go out the door. We have got to learn how to come in and pray in the Holy Ghost. We've got to come in and learn how to do spiritual warfare in prayer. So our prayer meetings are going to take a shift in the way that we have done them before. We're going to come in passionately praying and seeking the face and mind and will of God. And we're going to pray until the power. We're not going to pray against a clock. We're not going to be taking note of who's coming in and who's going out. But we're going to begin to pray. And we're going to begin to reach heaven with our prayer. We're going to begin to cover this region with our prayer. And while you're praying and speaking in other tongues. And you're going to say, I don't even know what I'm praying for. There's a drug addict somewhere that there's... Their life is being turned around and somebody's life is being saved because you have moved into, a, into an arena of warfare prayer that nothing else will be able to break other than you while you're on your face before God. Spiritual warfare prayer. Some things you will conquer with a shout. But there's some things that you will only conquer because you are willing to fight. I'm talking about winning some spiritual battles that are significant to the future of this church and the ministry and the calling, the prophetic word that God has placed into this church. We have got to understand that we have we have a responsibility that is greater than just to the city, but we have a responsibility that is regional. We have a responsibility to do more than just reach here, but our reach has got to be out. There are things in the spirit that we have not yet tapped into. Oh man, what's left? What's next? I don't even know what's next. Only the Holy Ghost is going to reveal what's next. We're going to start moving in a realm of the Spirit that we don't know what's next, but we're going to allow the unction of the Holy Ghost to move just like in the service tonight when I blew up the schedule by walking up here and saying the Lord spoke to me and said, let's receive an offering that's not going to pay our light bill and build our building, but we're going to send money out that is going to be money that we're casting bread upon the water. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. God is going to restore it. 
I'm wanting so bad to preach the message, but God just keeps leading me in a direction. I'm going to tell you what happened to me yesterday. Yesterday, I was at home alone. My phone rang, and a powerful man of God, a prophet of God, if you please, called me. I answered the phone. Haven't talked to him on the phone in a long time. He called me. He said, Rev, i got to tell you what God spoke to me. I said, yes, sir. He said, God woke me up at 5.30 this morning. And he said, he put you on my heart. I started praying over you. And I started praying for a higher level of anointing over you. He said, I called you to tell you that God spoke something to me that you've got to know. I said, listen, I'm all ears. Just go ahead and speak what God is saying to you. I'm kind of waiting back and resting. He said, you've been praying for 2018 to be your year. I said, yes, sir. He said, it is. Your year for the greatest level of sacrifice that you have ever made. He said there's three levels of sacrifice that God is calling you to. And this is not just for you, but this is to your congregation. I said... Rev, do you, do you want to come visit and tell the church what God is saying? He said, I can't. I'm telling you so you can tell the church. He was unmistakably in the anoint, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues while he was on the phone talking to me. I sat at my table. I was weeping. I was at home alone. I broke. I just began to weep. I said, I can't even speak. Don't think my silence to be to be the lack of reception. I'm just listening to what you're saying. God is speaking through you to me. I'm just you just go ahead and download whatever God has for me. He said, God is expecting and requiring from you. He said, There is a required sacrifice. He said, You have been faithful, and your church has been faithful to required sacrifice. He said there is a second level of sacrifice that God spoke to me about that is specific for you and your congregation. And he said that is acceptable sacrifice which is what you are doing above and beyond what is required of you. He said but there is a level of sacrifice that you nor your church has ever stepped into. I said I'm listening. He said, it is extreme sacrifice. Hmm. I didn't think you were going to run the aisle on that. He said, now, I want you to get a pen and paper, a computer, whatever you, whatever you have to do. But from now through December... God said for you to make a list and take note of every sacrifice that you make in 2018. He said then, when you get to the end of the year, if you are obedient to everything that God says to you, He said, I want you to take this and present it to God alone. And he said, it is going, there is going to be a shift that happens at the end of this year. He said, if your congregation 
receives what I am speaking to you, and if you and your family receives what I'm speaking to you, the Lord said that 2019 is going to be a year that I am going to repay in measures that you are not even going to be able to contain. I said, well, that wasn't what I wanted to hear. But I tell you what I'm getting ready to do. I'm getting ready to tell the church tomorrow exactly what you said because we are getting ready to move into an arena of extreme sacrifice. I don't know what God has for us, but I don't think it is about numbers. I don't even think it is about money. But I have a feeling that there is going to be an outpouring of apostolic revival that this church is not going to be able to contain. We're getting ready to buy about 450 chairs for the new building. But that 450 chairs is going to be filled up by the end of 2019. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak faith into this congregation to understand and know that the greatest revival that we have had is only the beginning of where God is about to take us to. The greatest miracles is just the beginning of what God is wanting to do. I'm done preaching tonight. You can do with what I preach to you however you want to respond to it. But in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak warfare prayer to fall on this congregation. I speak apostolic anointing to fall upon the membership and the ministry and the evangelists and the preachers and the teachers and the workers and the labors in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I feel like we need to move into intercessory prayer right now. Some of you need to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. God is going to begin to move on family members that you never thought you would see saved. God's going to begin to move upon them. There's going to be homes that are going to be moved tonight while we are here praying. Angels are going to be dispatched into regions of this territory. God is going to begin to move on people. That's it. Your extreme sacrifice. Your extreme sacrifice is going to bring an eternal reward that will not be able to be contained within the walls of a building. God is going to do something that you will never. It's going to blow your mind. It is beyond your comprehension. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost.
call the names of the people that you put on your list last Sunday. Go ahead, start calling their name right now. God is going to begin to move in the atmosphere. This week alone, two people on my list has already given me a yes. This week I'm going to act on that again. And God is going to continue to work. Revival is coming. Revival is coming. A harvest is coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Some sacrifices are required, but some sacrifices are optional. Come on, bring what's optional to the Lord right now. It's unusual. It's extreme. I'm bringing to Him. I'm bringing to Him an extreme sacrifice tonight. Present your body a living sacrifice. When you give to God that which is costing you everything, He's going to give you a Job return. The word of the Lord just came saying, I will give you a Job return. I will restore everything that has been taken from you tenfold. I will give it back in measure that is incomprehensible. 